the Strategic Ladies Radio Show. We're going to be airing live every Thursday from 10.30 Pacific Standard Time, 12.30 Central Standard Time, and 1.30 Eastern Standard Time, bringing you relationship information and strategy from our guests and in the research. Our show will give you a generational perspective and real-world opinions. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Estella. And today we're going to be speaking to you about cultivating relationships in the film industry. We have a special guest today and his name is Rick Allen Crossley. And he'll be giving us a real world perspective on his experience in the film industry. So Jay, this is going to be an interesting talk. You know, we, uh, we love film and I'm I'm sure some of our listeners do as well. Before we go to that subject, You know, you had some current events that we wanted to share with our audience and our opinions. Yes, you know, I'm, again, really excited about the talk with Rick. But, you know, there's this thing going on, and I recently read about it in the news in regards to drones. And, you know, I don't know what you think about drones. I mean, I I, I think of the horror stories because of the... The Terminators, the Transformers, all the robots taking over. But, you know, there are some actually some positive advantages to drones. I love drones. I want one so bad. Really? Oh, my God. I want one so bad. Why? I mean, I am like, I, 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 want, I want to fly one. I want to actually uh, use them in my personal and professional life. Whoa. I would love to be. I always want, as you may not know this about me, but I write mysteries listeners. And I love, would love to use my drone to just spy on that see, cheating that's guy. Problem. That's so crazy. See, I, see, that's my fear that the drone would be spying on me. So you want to spy on people and I want to keep from people from spying oh from God. me. I think it's great technology. But here's some advantages that I found um, with research that, you know, they've been saying that drones actually can save lives. I mean, military personnel use them in combat. Oh, totally, totally, totally. And then I, I've heard that they're low cost. They're low risk. Well, you know what? I did see, uh, actually, uh, when I get uh, Groupons, <laughs> on Groupons, they have, uh, you can get those drones really cheap. And actually, I was going to buy my grandkids some drones. I don't think that you should do that because their <laughs> mom probably would not approve of it. <laughs> what about the low risk of them? And, and in, in what way? Well, they say the drones are smaller so they can fly lower than traditional planes. So that means that they'd be less likely to cause harm in military heart for military. Well, I think it's a great way of um, identifying what's happening. I know even in films, they use drones uh, to kind of do some of the shots in different scenes. And right. I, and I think, I mean, I just That'd think... That'd be an interesting thing to talk to Rick about. Oh, yeah, I think I think we will. Yeah, let's bring that up. Remember to bring that up. Because I think that one of the things, some of those different angles of shots, you can't necessarily get unless you have... Um, it's something that can get to a high point and drones can help with that. Right. So, yeah. So that's great news. And then what about the operational hours? Now, this is one thing that I do. I mean, without, I mean, it does take away some jobs because eventually I'm sure they'll have huge drones that can fly airplanes and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. So you're trusting a machine more so. Wait a minute, flying airplanes? Well, I'm just saying like the, this starts something. You're starting Terminator, Mom. You're starting it. (laughs) So, so let's think about this. So, they're saying drones, uh, without a human pilot, drones can be stay operational for a lot longer hours. That means there's no fatigue, and the operators can control hands when they're not in the drone. So, for example, eventually, right now, there's these small little drones. There's smaller planes. Oh, so cute. 
But then eventually they're going to get the technology to be able to run big airplanes eventually. You know so what? you have to think about. I'm okay with that. I mean, we're you? trusting the controls on a plane right now. Actually, pilots, I've got, and I'm not defending any pilots, but it's all about being able to hit the switches, right? So really, we're, you know, autopilot, we're not driving it. <laughs> Here's your, your favorite that they're saying that for. An advantage is that they can spy, and so for years drone, before drones, they were using, I'm sorry, years before, drones were using combat. So they've been around for a while for surveillance. Oh, we just on. didn't know. Didn't know. But yeah, I, when I, again, I think technology, it would be good because I'm all for, and most people aren't for this, mm-hmm. but I'm totally for a car driving me. And if really? a drone can drive my car, please drive it because I do not want to. I want to be writing on my computer. I do not I believe this at all. I want to be on the phone. I want to be on the phone talking to my friends. I want to be texting and driving. Let the drone drive and I can have fun. I do not believe you because I know that you're such a control freak. That would drive you crazy no. to let somebody. I mean, look, even when I'm driving, you're like, Jay, driving slow. Well, here's the thing about Jay, it. Jay, Jay, turn here. When they talked about it, and I think it's, I think it's, is it Amazon or one of those companies that has the cars that drive on their own one of the problems with them is that they follow the rules too well so that they're not gonna like the drone because it's gonna follow those rules well too that's well. what they had to do they had to alternate the rules like you know four-way stop is your turn and my turn but the, the drone and the uh the uh <laughs> car was going when it was their turn well how many people put well this is the disadvantage so I love the disadvantages because okay. this is what I think of the takeover <laughs> see they even talk about it the worst case scenario is that drones do a fleet of drones and they take over and they mess up security measures and and it becomes like yeah yeah that can be like be like terminator terminator right Right? i mean there's some movies i mean come on people but there's always a person in control of everything so that would be that evil person that controls the drones and makes them go crazy right so we need to make sure that there's a team instead of one person in charge of those drones and then they said that the the civilian losses, drone warfare often causes collateral damages in civilian lives and property as well as traditional warfare as well. Well, yeah. When you're using them to fight. Yeah, so I to... guess, you know, that's that's just something. So I just thought that was interesting because people are, like, so into the drones right now. I love them. I mean, I, I see the point, <clears throat> the, the, the give and the take or the good and the bad, but, you know, particularly me, you won't see me owning a drone unless it, like, delivers money for some reason. <laughs> Well, again, I think that, unless it says, "Hey," I think we say that. I mean, some people would say that the computer age and the technology age. I'm like an dam- old lady has damaged us, but in a sense, I mean, I can see pros and cons and advantages, and I think that ultimately we're in the control of our destiny and how we use them. You know, there's got to be protocol and things in place on how we use them, or they can be a problem. But switching gears, yes, darling. We're talking about um, today. We're going to be talking about uh, cultivating relationships in the film industry. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I noticed that when I was doing a little bit of research and reading, they said that there's a lot of unrealistic expectations that happen when viewing films. Like, for example, well, I mean, I think, come on, love relationships. Uh, I know, happily right? ever after um, all the time. But you know, Shades of Grey is a good example of that. Come on, that's like, wow. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff. Are the, well, I like Fifty Shades of Grey. Or the love story. Come on, the love story. I mean, who, I mean, I love the love story. How can we begin? I mean, it was like, What's that? What's oh my that? God, you were too young for that. Okay, story. yeah, I totally, you totally lost me. Fifty like, Shades, I was there. So then love. you went to something I mean, else. So is that on Well, like the notebook? Oh. See, it's like that. Come but on. that's the thing. You need those. See, I know, I know. that it's, some of it's unrealistic, but you need those to give you hope that there's 
And I do hear some stories where people are like that. I mean, I not, know. I mean, possibly not. It's not forever that way, but that's why I like Nicholas Sparks because he shows this tragedy mm-hmm. that happens during, and then it comes into a love. I, I don't know. I think that you need that because if you have all the negative, 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 Nobody's going to feel the positive that comes. And so maybe it's not unrealistic. It's like your goal for some areas. <laughs> yes, like you see those or things like, that say bagels. Or, like, or, or maybe, bagels. Or maybe not your goal, your hope. Because you're hoping to find that kind of relationship no matter what you're into, right? right. I'm, I'm hoping to find the love story maybe. Or the Nick like Park Sparks. And, and oh my the, gosh, like the, the notebook. That's still my favorite. Or maybe the shades of gray. Who knows what well, you, you know a little bit about. Bottom line is like that. <laughs> It is uh, interesting that we, mm-hmm. um, the, I, 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 the article was talking about unrealistic, but I think maybe it would be more appropriate to call it um, some of our hopes or our, our aspirations or, or maybe not. Well, I think, you know, and this, this could be also, this, we're talking about storylines and, and things, of, <laughs> but also I guess when you're viewing some films, people are getting so... Um, intense about how things are filmed that things like for example i feel sorry for the horror um horror uh, directors because you know when you think about that it's like it's hard to keep up now horror films are so realistic that it's it's i I would be hard it would be hard for me to be a a you know what i'm not into the horror and i'm sorry for those neither am i for those of you that are clowns first of all the thing that gets me really mad about horror is that people's reaction time are just so slow. I mean, it's like, we talk about this. And I don't know if it's ethnic. I'm going to tell y'all now, I ain't going in no broken down house. I don't know if it's because of the ethnicness. Did you like my word? But um, I'm not going in no broken down house. Or if there's a a caution sign or clowns or a dirt road, why the heck y'all going down it? Well, and also like... Or a house that's haunted. Let's buy it. It's only 100,000. I will will say this, though. (laughs) In Beverly Hills. I will say at one time, I, at one time I had an accident, a traffic accident and I, I was, I was very, um, I wasn't very mindful at the time. My focus was on, <laughs> uh, uh, my, uh, relationship crash. My relationship was over and I had just seen an attorney and I was at a four way stop and then this, uh, car, uh, ran the light, but I, I know I saw the arrow going, but I was so in not focused on, I was just going for the motion of driving. Right. Uh So I'll tell you why. And Uh so what happens is the adrenaline Mm -hmm. caused me, I went through, I did my thing, which I was right. The car hit me. My adrenaline would not let my legs get out of the car. I I mean, so maybe in these horror movies, people are so scared that they can't move. Yeah. But my thing is with the horror movies (laughs) and I don't know how we got door because of me, of course, but I don't, I don't understand how they get themselves in these situations. Like you see these things where, oh, I got a letter and they said, come to this house or, okay. Oh, like that new one that's coming out. Okay. So I have this thing about dolls. You remember that one? Okay. There's this one with dolls, right? And it's like the son, it's supposed to be this old couple's son and this lady has to babysit this doll. Okay. Right then you wouldn't be interviewing me to watch some doll. And she stays. But she doesn't. I don't understand. Think about this. No, ma. It's <laughs> like a clown looking doll. I don't get well, we're it. We're thinking. Okay, so first of all, we're thinking. That if that's... I came in with a if somebody, if you, <laughs> if you came for a babysitting job and someone goes, you need to watch my doll, you know you would have snapped out of that house like five seconds. 
Well, I would think it's pretty, pretty strange that she would ask me to wash a doll, but then I would say, how much money do I need? No, I just no. <laughs> my butt would be out. Something's wrong with that doll. <laughs> yeah, you know. like Chucky. It started moving. Remember it was Chucky? just like Chucky, mom. Chucky. I mean, Poor Nat. She's so scared. I know. We're talking about her daughter. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. I think that the whole thing yeah. is, back to unrealistic, <laughs> cultivating unrealistic expectations. You have to realize that some of these things you view yeah. uh, do have a traumatic effect on you, and they also um, can change your mindset. You Correct. Know? So, and, and, and I think horror movies um, are un- unrealistic in that they don't, uh, to me, they don't move as fast as they should when things are happening. Correct. Um, but, you know. We- and I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of unrealistic things happening. But, you know, hold that thought. We're going to go to break. You guys stay tuned. We have a special guest that you don't want to miss. Remember, you're always welcome to join the conversation at any time by calling 310-928-7733. Again, that's 310-928-7733. We'll be seeing you back in just a moment. I know they see you and they want you. I know they see you when they want to make you who they want you to be. I know that life is trying to get you. I know that life is calling out to you by your name. But don't listen, resist it, keep running. Don't you stop for nothing, just keep kicking. Remember where you came from, don't forget what you already know. What you got is amazing, hold it, don't you let it go. You hold the light, you hold the light. You hold the light and it's shining and making darker places brighter. You light up. You hold the light. You got a lot. You bring a lot. You bring a lot and it's silent and they can see it. They won't end it, but it's not for the taking. It's not for the changing. No, it's not for remixing. It's not for remaking. All right. So they lining up to take it. All right. I can't let them take my you. You know I ride for you. Yeah. I won't let them take you. will approach you and opportunities to fade shade and downgrade will provoke you and those you trust will start to turn to so never pay too much attention to the things they say they won't do and you gotta be persistent and believe me you ain't seen much it's just the beginning more walking slow to speaking but be quick to listen be mindful you be vigilant and pay attention because you hold the light you hold the light you hold the light and it's shining and making darker places brighter. You light up. You hold the light. You got a lot. You bring a lot. You bring a lot and it's silent and they can see it. They won't end it, but it's not for the taking. It's not for the changing. No, it's not for remixing. It's not for remaking. All right. So they lining up to take it. All right. I can't let them take my you. You know I ride for you. I 
for the best in metaphysical, spiritual, and holistic programming, you're listening to InnerLightRadio.com, the healing frequency. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Strategic Ladies Radio Show. I am welcoming you to the show and also asking that you, if you have to join or want to join the conversation, you can do that at 310-928-7733. So we are so excited right now, Jay and I. We have our special friend and special guest, Alan Rick Crossley, is going to come and talk to you a little bit about cultivating relationships in the film industry. Hello, Alan. Rick. Hello, 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 ladies. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Good. So I'll start off, Rick. I want to tell them a little bit about you. Um, Alan is a true visionary. He has ha- had a long background as a chemist at a major pharmaceutical company, which has enabled him to transcend his skill sets into filmmaking. He was born in a small town in so- small town south of Chicago, and currently he lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He began his career in Indiana, doing films films since 2008, and currently he has three films in development. He is also a writer, and he writes, directs, and composes music and produces it as well. well. So, welcome, Rick. We are so excited to have you. Every time I hear your bio, I think you're more amazing. (laughs) Really? Wow. Thank you. I, I, I received that. I'm humbled by it. (laughs) <laughs> I love that he receives that. I know, receive it. That's right, receive, receive it. it. <laughs> yeah. So, so Alan, we're going to just get started and ask you a couple questions. One of my questions for you is, what was there a particular event or time that you recognized that filmmaking was not just a hobby, but it was supposed to be part of your life or your living? I guess there would be uh, actually a few times that I felt like that. Um, initially... Um, um, when I started out on my first film, believe it or not, um, I was, um, having everybody, you know, because it's a, it's an interactive and collaborative, um, effort, but this particular day I had nobody to do the filming. Um, you know, nobody did the camera work. Mm-hmm. So this scene had to be done and I was determined because to get the film done. And, um, so I called a friend who had been a filmmaker that I, uh, and known um, prior to this, I was trying to learn stuff from him, but I never actually picked up a camera and shot it. So he, he walked me through it. And uh, so I made this shot in my first movie called Closure. And it was what you call a one shot. And basically everything has to be in focus. There's a lot of camera movement. So the char- character had to walk across the street in heavy traffic. And then yet I had to be able to catch these two guys scoping her out been following the character and uh the shot came off so beautifully i remember yelling i feel like a filmmaker so <laughs> so that was that was one time where i said wow you know i'm i'm you know it, it, i fell in love with it at that moment um the, the, the next time was uh, the last film i did here in atlanta i did a film called all i want for christmas to cut my teeth on because i just came down here i didn't know anybody at been filmmaking in uh, a few years in uh, Indianapolis, but I moved down here to Atlanta. So uh, I did this film, which I was going to do in Indianapolis, but it fell apart. So I ended up doing it here. And um, when the film was all done and, 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 you know, it was a new crew, new actors, everybody was 
pretty much new to the to the game. Um, but we showed it at this place called the Porter Stanford, which is a performing arts center. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. They have plays and everything there, and it was packed out because we had built the buzz for the um, for the film up so much. Uh-huh. So we end up um, showing it there, and everybody when when everybody announced. Well, when they announced that my film was going to show, everybody packed into the, you know, into the uh, theater. And what really, really started to turn me on was the fact that when I'm going, I'm sitting in the back of the film and my mother's there. and A lot of the actors there, they had seen the film because I kind of keep it to myself. Uh, then people start talking to the film, you know, oh, no, that didn't happen, you know. It's, it's, it's strange because, you know, it's a stereotype of, you know, black people talking to film, talking all through the movie. Right. But that was the greatest thing for me. Mm-hmm. And when it was done, it, we, I had a standing ovation. I felt like Tyler Perry. So oh, it, was, it was a great that's, moment for me. Well, you know, that's, that's fun. That's great. So one of the things I wanted to know, I know we all have a love of, especially I have a love of film, and I know that uh, filmmakers mm-hmm. do as well. So what films have been kind of the most inspiring or influential for you and why? Well, strangely enough, when it goes back to your childhood and you see films that that reflect you in a heroic situation, because, you know, um, then, then there used to be a lot of films that reflected people of color in heroic situations. You know, we were playing a slave with a butler or or someone that that was just meant to support someone else's life. So when you saw films, even though they may have been black exploitation films, as they're called now, or wow. maybe back then, um, I saw Shaft and I, I could stick my chest out. You know, I heard Isaac Hayes music behind that, you know, and, and maybe all those characters weren't um, as, 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 you know, virtuous as people would like them to be. Cause you got a lot of backlash for black exploitation films they were the first films that made me feel proud to be black and to see myself shown in a positive way where i wasn't just you know dragging one leg and being step and fetch it you know so you know i totally agree (laughs) um you know they did get a lot of negative press but at that point in time it it was a reflection of our situational uh, life then and also how the only way we could get films, right? The only way we could be in. That's true. Right. We created a market for ourselves. Therefore, um, you know, it became, it was profitable because see, even though there were black exploitation films, there weren't a great deal of black people making money from those films. That's why they called them black exploitation because, you know, the, the, the man more or less came to the hood and said, hey, we want to do films, you know, with people in them. And with you know, they, they showed us as these, you know, forgive me, badass kind of characters. Right. And yet, and they were people who we could look up to, but, you know, we weren't really benefiting from the whole genre of that of that era. Although we did create some very good, you know, stars from that era. You know, we got we got the Coffee Browns with Pam Breer, which was one of my favorites, uh, you know, that. Richard Browntree and those people. Right. So, so Alan, you you talked about collaboration earlier. What would you believe that uh, makes a fruitful collaboration when working in film? Well, the, the one thing about um, 
Uh, it's a collaborative art, first of all. So you have to respect yeah. the artistry that the people bring to the table. And, you know, like for me, uh, a lot of my people, a lot of the people that are with me started out with me. I mean, there's even people that uh, that came down here with me um, uh, from Indianapolis, you know, or came down here because of me and got into the industry. Um, so yeah. relationships and wanting to see yourself and the people that you work with grow uh, in this art and you want the best form and you got to respect your ideas because, you know, uh, being a collaborative art, nobody has all the answers, but, you know, together you can figure it out and you begin to, you know, grow as a group and you begin to trust each other. And it's all about trust and it's all about, you know, sharing the workload somewhat. So Rick. So it's about relationships. So, so Rick, okay. And I keep calling you Rick. Listeners, he's known by Alan. <laughs> but I keep calling you Nobody Rick. will know me after this, right? <laughs> so, so Alan, we're talking about the yeah, person. Alter person. Ego. Oh, I'm not... this, is, this is why it's hard. Listening. Well, we go back. We go back. So you're going <laughs> to. Yeah, when you're interviewing someone, you know. So, um, so uh, Alan, um, the structure of the business is film is the film business fair? Well, well, I mean, obviously it's not. I mean, um, you wouldn't have the the the, the upheaval that you had uh, this year in reference to um, um, you know the Academy Awards. I'm not saying that we have to be nominated every time, but I think that well, let's put it this way: I think we should be nominated every time because. Look, there's nobody that walks out their door, and, and, and if you're making movies about the human experience, there's no way that somebody is walking out the door, or they're turning on their TV, or they're turning on their radio, and they're hearing everything that's lily white, or all black, or all Hispanic. You're going to come across some kind of race, or culture, or interaction, even if you're going to the corner to get Chinese food. So to think that you can make a movie that doesn't show anybody else in it or to have a movie that feels like nobody can contribute of color to your films. It's kind of ludicrous, you know, because, but do you, um, think, do you think that the Academy award is responsible for that awards are responsible for that? Or do you think we, as, as uh, our storylines, are, are we as, um, uh, individuals or, or people of different ethnic descents, can stop that by not going to those films or not supporting the film. I mean, I think that Whoopi had said a statement about kind of similar to that, that it's not about the academies, but it's about what we watch and pay for. Yeah, it's, it's what we watch and pay for. But by the same token, um, I think that, you know, boycotting the film, whether um, that gets us anywhere or not, uh, that remains to, to be seen. People are going to like what they like. Well, I'll give you an example. Um, when you make a black film, the average black film, and I'll tell you why Hollywood should, Hollywood is benefiting from black films. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Because, see, the average black film recoups two to 300% of its original investment. Okay? So, therefore, you know, they're not throwing those films out there because they're not making money. Believe me, they're making money. Now, whether they're, artistically um, um, 
savory to the academy that particular year. Well, that may not be. But you do have some good representations of people who are putting out good black films like this year, Concussion and, and some other things that are out there. You know, they should at least be recognized. You may not win, but, you know, you, you don't have a good enough film to be nominated. And then you got to look at to see if the Academy is made of people who are evenly, who, who are, um, uh, I guess, genetically or, or, or culturally unbiased in that regard. Because this is a, mm -hmm. Right, diverse. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, well, you point know. well taken. Point well taken. So, you know, um, Rick, since we were talking about relationships, how do you feel, um, or what do you feel has been uh, most difficult in building a relationship with prior teams or with teams while you're um, doing a film? Well, you know, uh, personally, I mean, I do a lot of things. You know, when you're, when you're making a film with somebody, it's like going into war, okay? Um, you're, 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 the person next to you is like, a person that's in the foxhole with you. Your thing is to go out there, conquer and tackle, making a, a, a credible and, and viable good film at whatever level you're at. You know, you could be an independent, you could be a beginner, but you're in that together. So you're all trying to be shoulder to shoulder as a group, developing uh, the best possible project you can. So I tend to hang out with my group. Um, I, I tend to, you know, break bread with them and, you know, we call each other up. We'll go out and have a drink. It's, it's about developing that chemistry because even between actors, like say, for instance, if an actor has to do a love scene, for instance, and it's at best, it's going to be uncomfortable for them because they don't know each other, you know, even to have that, 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 that brother and sister chemistry on the screen, I'll suggest that they go out and, and hang out with each other without me and, 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 being around or having any, I may orchestrate it, but I may, you know, suggest that they go out and, and just hang out, have a drink together. Even if I have to pay for it, I'll do that, you know, but uh, I want them to develop a friendship, a kinship between each other where they feel comfortable relating to one another. And then um, it becomes fun. It becomes lighthearted. It becomes easy to do. So do you feel that there's a relationship teaming going on in the film industry? A relationship teaming? Correct. Um, how do you team? Like, how are the teams formed within? Do you feel that it's like other? Because you've been in pharmaceuticals as well. You know, we do a lot of mm -hmm. teaming activities where we build relationships and cultivate relationships. Do you feel that that's done in the filming industry as well? Oh, you mean like team building? Correct. Um, I, I don't personally. Uh, Yes and no. I, I guess it kind of depends on what level. I think in the beginning, um, when you're starting out, it's kind of a, you know, depending upon the group that you get with and you associate yourself with. Uh, like I got into a film meetup group um, here in Atlanta, and um, there wasn't any team building there. Uh, everybody just kind of wanted to do their project. But then you go to some places like in Indiana, right. um, IFN, and uh, – they do a lot of team building things because they have a lot of parties and things like that. But even with that, there's still clicks, you know, in regard to this stuff. So I don't think they do enough of it, but I think in the arts, they probably do it more than anybody else. It's just 
whether you're the one of the ones that they, you know, they wrap their arms around and say, you know, hang out with us and, you know, and we'll get to, you know, refer you. But most people get their referrals and, and, and things of that nature from the glass job that they did because they had, a, you know, some kind of a hand in helping those people grow. So how, you know. how Rick has, in your personal experience in doing your films, how has not being able to been, build these relationships or these networking opportunities hurt your project? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, I got a project that I'm working on, and it's a series. So, you know, it's kind of, it's it, it's a series and it's episodic. So we had an individual that is a good actress. I'm not going to say she's not a good actress, but some people place themselves higher than others. So subsequently, they let that come out in their conversation, in their dialogue uh, off camera, which tends to build, in, uh, I'm sorry, so it tends to tear down the morale of the rest of the group. So it, it, it's necessary to make the decision that, hey, you know what? Okay, I got to either write her out of the script or replace that character. You don't want someone who's going to uh, come in. When, when you're on a large um, um, product, I mean, a uh, project that costs millions of dollars, you have to kind of put up with that because you may have gotten too far in to back out. But after that project is done, then you're saying, hey, you know, I'm washing my hands of that individual because it's bad for business. It's bad for, for how I run my set, you know, and um, so you don't want that around. So speaking of when when you were talking about, you know, you said you, you have a, a certain way that you run your set and and things of that sort. What do you feel that, what type of audience are you trying to acquire with your films? Do you have a certain, I, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I guess, I guess when I look at the, I guess it depends on, on, on what I'm writing at the time because um, the films that I write are, are, are based upon um, a certain demographic maybe, you know, um, but I usually try to be as universal as I can with my audience. So I don't usually try to be where they're at. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get out the story that I'm trying to tell. So the people that are going to gravitate toward my film, if I did a good enough PR job and, and getting the word out in reference to that film, that, that audience is going to tend to find that film. Um, I don't I don't worry about that as much as the story that I'm trying to portray and I'm doing it accurately and it makes people move emotionally in one way or another, whether it be positive or negative. Because the way I look at a film uh, in regards to how people view it, if you get a strong emotion where you don't like it or you get a strong emotion where you do like it, you know, or well, let's put it this way, you, you don't like what's going on in the film or you do like what's going on in the film, um, then I've gotten, uh, I've done my job. I've moved you emotionally. And my job is to move my audience. Yeah. Perfect. Well, one of the things we were talking on prior to you getting on the show is some of the unex unrealistic expectations that films actually give to people. So in your, in your mind, the type of films that you do, and I know you do a lot with love stories and a lot about mm -hmm. relationships, which is one of the reasons we brought you on the show, um, how would you say your films, or do you think your films give people unrealistic expectations in real life? Mm. 
Thanks well, to make hmm. I know, right? Well, uh, yeah, it does. That 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 kind of made me kind of pause a little bit. I, I really don't try to, to, to give people unrealistic expectations unless I'm making a film that's just kind of um, utopic in nature or it's, it's, it's very uh, er- experimental in its thinking. But uh, if, I'm, if I'm doing a film, I'm trying to do a film that uh, might be a little bit too zany. Like, give you an example. Uh, I, I won't give this away because the actors don't even know this, but there's something that um, there's a character that that um, <laughs> she she's been molested by her uncle. Okay. okay, so she's her character drinks a lot, and her character drinks a lot, and so she's been ex- uh, her mother was dying, and and her uncle, uh, her mother's brother was the one that did the molesting. The mother asked on her dying bed because her brother is a paraplegic. Please take care of my uh, my brother. You know he needs help. You know, and she did it. You know, she said reluctantly to her mother. Well, in taking care of this uncle, this uncle still on the one good side of his body is still a pervert. So when when the when the character beats him down, it's it's therapeutic to her. Now it may be unrealistic for something like that to be done, but my character felt great where she was just being uh, she was basically a lush because of this all the things that had happened to her in her past. Right. So when she beats this guy down, she feels wow. So she can't wait to do it again. That may be an unrealistic expectation. Unrealistic expectations, uh, like my my series is called Love Chemistry, which is going to be released soon. But uh, the thing, people tend to want you to write, well, where's the love? Where's the love? Where's the love? Well, you know, you can't appreciate the love if you come in with the love. You know what I mean? Love is at best messy. You know, I love the love all the time, Alan. I I mean, I love to love all the time. Believe me, I'm I'm, I'm a pretty romantic guy, but... By the same token, I don't, you can't appreciate the love if everything is lovey-dovey. And the audience can't appreciate it if all they see is smooches and kissing and sex and everything else. And, you know, you you bring up a point, though, you know, um, because I I had this discussion with my mom a while ago in regards to a lot of um, black films um, start off with this, you know, the some strong, powerful message, molestation, rapes, things of that sort, really, really strong, hardcore messages and show how they've overcome. Do you feel that we do that more than other filmmakers? Because I, I find that sometimes it's hard for me to watch some of the films that aren't like the the funny films because of such, so much of the hard stuff that happens to get to the good. And I know where you're coming from with that because uh, I don't like to see um, a lot of. Um, I won't name the. I, I won't name the film, but I will say yeah. that that film did nothing but denigrate. You know, every bad. Well, it, it only exposed every bad thing that happens in the hood. Right. And my films, I don't like to do that. I don't like to. I, I like to show why a certain situation happens, but I don't like to. I don't like to just lay in that heaviness of it. Right. You know, if if anything, I like to show particularly women in a in a in a, a more powerful situation because I want my daughters to be powerful. I want my right. I want women that I know and you know and love and, and and I think women should have that that strong voice. But I don't like to belabor the the, the woes of our community and our right. culture. 
you know, so um, that's why this is a dramedy. I show them coming out of that and being better. I show them coming out of that and, you know, and maybe they didn't do it the right way. Maybe somebody in the audience said, well, she shouldn't have beat him down because that was just horrible. But then again, if that was therapy for her, okay, that was therapy for her. I don't condone it. But that character, the way it spoke to me at the time when I was writing, it says beat his butt, you know. You know what, what? I appreciate that because I think that, you know, in my opinion, and I guess like when they said that sometimes they give unrealistic girls, I guess it depends on who's watching, right? Because for for myself, you know, I'm not going to lie. If somebody did something to my children, you know, God help me. Or, That's you know, right. You, you're here to turn around. You get the green projectile vomit. You're turning to the exorcist. Yeah. Same goes if something happened to myself. I can see where that girl would want to take out that aggression and maybe his predicament at that time. You know, it shows how at when she was a young child, she wasn't able to act out on how she felt because she was, um, I guess you could say, and I wouldn't say handicapped, but she was unable to because of her age so it, it's, yeah. it's right at this time now she has the upper hand and she can take out the aggression and show him what it feels like so i exactly your your you know the way that you do that i think it's very creative and i can't wait to see your film yeah i agree so, yeah it's, it's it's got a lot of little twists and turns i, I guess the the main thing if that i i try to do in my films um I like to write them and, and execute them in a way where you don't see me coming, you know? Right. So uh, when somebody says, oh, wow, I didn't expect that, or, I, I can't stand a film that you can figure out. That just bores the crap out of me. So I try not to go in that direction in, in, in regards to how I do stuff. You know? so, so, Rick, what is on the horizon for you? We have about another minute, but I want to make sure everyone, the listeners, know what you're doing, um, where they can get a hold of you. Uh, and all of those good things. Okay, well, what's on the horizon for me is to finish the project that I'm doing right now, and uh, to promote that as much as I can. That you know, social media is such a big part of everything that you do. Um, I got three films in development um, um, that are features, so I'm looking to shop those and 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 awesome. get those financed and greenlit. Um, and um, if people want to get in contact with me, if they have any, um, you know, they want any information, I can point them in the right direction. I'll be glad to do so. A lot of people come to me for first-time actors and stuff like that. And I'm, I never really try to turn those people down. But I could be reached so at AR. Go off the hook. You better just put your um, your website. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, you're going to email me at arcrozz at gmail dot com. <laughs> you're like at do not contact. I take that back dot com. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah, I, I, I know you have. You know, we've talked about you know some of your films, and I'm so excited about some of the things you have on the horizon and, and I, and I look forward to Rick and I had also talked about doing a project together. And I'm really excited about getting to the point where I can do that. I, my daughter, if I can nail you down, busy woman. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> well, just so you know, Jay is finishing her dissertation. April 13th is her date and I am done. Yay. So now I can do things I'm going to like right with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, man. Well, Jay will be moonwalking after that, huh? I know, right? <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, Rick, thank you so much, and we're definitely going to get in contact and see you soon, hopefully. I, I appreciate you being oh, okay. on the show. And, well, um, I plan to be out there in California in a couple of months uh, cool. for some things, and uh, so I'll definitely look you guys up if you're not here first. Thanks again, Rick, and good luck in all you're doing. God bless you out there. Remember, my name is Alan Crosley because she calls me Rick all the time. <laughs> Alan, thank you so much. I know she's she's just messing with me. Now, I think. <laughs> all right, take care, all right, thank you, Alan. Bye. Well, you guys, we're going to take you to break. Stay tuned for some more with Strategic Ladies, and make sure you call at three one zero nine two eight seven seven three three. Again, that's three one zero nine two eight seven seven three three. We'll be back in a moment. Baby, I'm hooked on you. I love you so, girl. And I'm Dr. Estella. And we're the Strategic Ladies. We specialize in relationships. And our radio show will bring you controversy, real world, and fun information. We also have live interviews from various guests from different walks of life who are experts in their fields. And who better to give relationship advice than a mother and daughter duel. Additionally, you'll hear research from the mindful professor, Dr. Estella. And a prophetic word given to you by Jacinta C.K. Make sure to listen to us every Thursday live at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To find out more about us, go to our website at www.strategicladies.com. Or you can email us at write2strategicladies.com. Talk to you later and see you at our show. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Strategic Ladies Radio Show. 
Jane and I just had a great conversation with Alan Rick Crossley, and we were talking about cultivating relationships in the film industry. Yes, and um, Alan, just so that you know, every time she says Rick, she owes me $5, so I think she'll start calling you Alan. Alan, 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 Alan. $5 hands up. As much as you I know, Al- Alan has such great energy, and, I, and I, I love the way he speaks and talks about filmmaking. I think that, um, you know, talking to the filmmaker and seeing their view it's interesting how the view of the director um, producer is is sometimes different than the actors and there's a lot of energy and heart that goes into these films yeah it totally does and I think that he he really uh, is you know I think his background in chemistry really helps Rick's think very strategically oh helps Alan think very strategically I really, there were a couple of things that really uh, set home with me and some takeaways. I always kind of try to, with our guests, try to see what impacted me. And I think one of the things was it definitely you need to cultivate relationships in, 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 for filmmaking. You definitely need to do that. Agreed. And, and, you know, you and you also said filmmakers and kids, and I agree with you in that, that, you know, with, with kids that you do, as well as filmmakers, it, relationship cultivation is so important in all that you do. And, and also what I've heard, one takeaway for me was that, Networking is a form of building relationships, and you know what what Rick or Alan was saying is that you know that in the industry, like most industries, well, when I say the industry, I mean film industry, is like most industries, meaning corporate America and others, that there are sometimes clicks, and you have to learn how to navigate through those to sometimes make it and build those networking relationships. So even if you don't hang out with those people, that you have enough gumption to get along with them and, and move around so that you can navigate and grow. I agree. I agree. I think that, and, and that's what, that is a really a hard thing, the networking piece and people I don't realize network. and people, you're, you're an expert in that. And I think Thanks. that but one of the things that people don't realize is how hard that is and to get past that. And I think a lot of times, and, and I've talked to some actors on our show and a lot of times actors are kind of introverted people. Some are, and yes. so, uh, and, and I don't, and I don't know if that's true for filmmakers, but, I think it's important to step out of your comfort zone to build those relationships and navigate if you're trying to do that. And the hard thing about networking, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, nobody's perfect at anything, but that's one thing that I I do love to do. And it's because I love to talk to different people and all different types of kinds Mm -hmm. kinds of people. And I think the skill of networking is just that to be open and not expecting someone to be just like yourself, but appreciating their differences, embrace them. And yeah. Another thing that I thought was, important and I think that we got a good perspective from Rick on unrealistic expectations given by film. Correct. Yes. Uh, you know, that I agree with you on that one. I think that, you know, it, it depends, like he was saying, you know, and, and I brought that up as well, is that it depends on who's watching it for it to be unrealistic. And there's some things that may hit me that I feel that that reaction would be very realistic where you may think that it's different, right? Totally, totally. But anyway, I thought it was a really great interview i think uh rick really contributed to our content and, and all that we were, we're trying to do in educating people on film uh again rick rick gave you some <laughs> ways to get in touch with him but we'll also shoot that out on our strategic ladies web, at website which is at www.strategicladies.com um, we are profiling some people on the page and you can look at the podcasts that are now available that will be shot out through uh in uh, itunes and also in google play in the next few weeks. So, Jay. Yes. We are wanting to talk about 
some of the things that are coming up. Some of the things that are coming up with us, and we have some great things that are coming up on yes. the horizon. Yes. So one of the first things are is that we're going to be having a mindfulness meditation workshop at Awakening in Laguna. So if you're in the Orange County area, please stop by. It's going to be on March 26 from 4 to 6 p.m. And that's in that mindfulness uh, meditation workshop will be grounding people on how to meditate, and we'll actually be going. It's, it's more of a practical workshop than a lecture. And it's Awakening uh, Spa at Conscious Living in Laguna Hills, California, just yes. so you know. so we'll give you that also on our website. And then we're going to have the League of Schools Conference in Lake Tahoe on April 24th through 25th. So if you're in Lake Tahoe, come and hear us um, speak. We're going to be doing a, a seminar about um, our meditation and mindfulness. Yeah, and we'll be talking about how mindfulness affects uh, social relationships in schools. We'll also be have, have some book signings, too. So if you're available and in the area, let us know. So you guys, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the the word of the day. And this word, um, I just, after the show, if you could just take 10 to five, or 5 to 10 minutes and just think about it, our word is going to be harmony. And just how you can create harmony in relationships. And let that word sit with you. Take time to listen to the things that go in and out of your mind. Right. And one of the things, I, just, just to kind of put a, uh, a foundation around this, Jay has uh, a opportunity. She gives, uh, she has the prophetic word that we leave people with every week. And, and, and it's on mindfulness thought. And when her word, as she said, was harmony. Correct. And we all know that we want to all create harmonious relationships. And to do that, we have to, Jay, what? Yeah. yeah. Be in harmony. Yes, you have to be in <laughs> harmony. And so today, make sure that you guys check us out at www.strategicladies.com. And also, you can write us at write the number two at strategicladies.com. Again, that's write the number two at strategicladies.com. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Yes, thank you so much. And again, you can go to our website to see more. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.